0: The idea is to think in the client's shoes. It's beneficial for us. It's far better for the client to have the engagement sort of stripped down into phases because it just eliminates so much risk then.
1: Hi, I'm Joel Pilger, and you are listening to episode 79 of the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today my guest is Justin Andrews at Animus Studios, and our topic is beyond projects to problems. Welcome to Rev Thinking the podcast for creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. This is the conversation between creative leaders and consultants discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. Hey, it's Joel. Hello from New York city. I'm overlooking the high line as we speak. Excited to be back in New York around Christmas time, which is always fabulous as 2019 comes to a close. Today on the podcast, I wanna welcome Justin Andrews. Justin is a partner and co-owner at Animus Studios. And Justin is on the program talking about a topic that might sound, it might sound a little bit erudite or perhaps a bit esoteric. Because the name of this episode is Beyond Projects to Problems. We're going to talk about something that I think is actually at the heart of a problem, a challenge, a difficulty that's happening in our industry. And so by our industry, I mean motion design studios, production companies, design firms, uh, audio and music sound design companies, and here's the challenge. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Budgets are always going down and the requirements are always going up. And there's always this difficulty when you're working with clients that have projects. First of all, increased commoditization, meaning I can get a cheaper price from somebody else. And if price is the only defining parameter to them awarding you the project, then you're selling a commodity. The other thing that's happening is they want work for free. Meaning if I've got this big project that I'm gonna be awarding you, I'm the client talking to you, I need to see what I'm buying before I buy it. So can you show me some ideas? Can you show me what it would look like? Can you come in and pitch me? Can you put together a deck of all of your best designs and we'll pick one that we like? Okay, what's going on here? This is what I remember Blair Enns and I talked about in a podcast that we did many moons ago called Addicted to the Big Reveal. And that is we as the owner, we think, oh, if I can just put something really amazing in front of them, and put this big proposal with all these big ideas and this awesome creative in front of them, and I pull off the sheet and I do this big reveal, they're gonna say, oh my gosh, that's amazing, let's do it. But it never actually pans out that way because really what happens in real life is you do the big reveal and the client goes dark. They ghost you because they're scared, they're afraid, They're not certain. And so you've actually just killed the project. I often say proposals are where projects go to die. Because if you rush to the proposal, if you rush to the pitch, you don't end up solving the problem. That's what Justin and I talk about today that I think is, among other things, and among several things we discuss, the most interesting centerpiece that I want you to listen for in this podcast is are you simply serving clients who have projects or are you serving accounts that have problems? Because I believe, especially in a world where owners are increasingly seeing opportunities to go direct to brands and work with brands directly, that we all need to understand what it looks like to treat these brands and these companies as accounts that have problems, but how do we do that? Well, that's one of the things that Justin at animus and I get into today. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Justin Andrews.
0: Did we first connect inside jumpstart? Is that where you, where we yeah. first got so, connected? Chris Castro from our team is an animator. So when you first jumped, obviously from that, from the world you are in somehow within his animation stuff, he follows. Saw you saw Creative Studio Jumpstart, and I joined that. At the same time, I was in this other group called Vistage, which was a lot more expensive and uh, was much more like CEO businessy. Yeah, but wasn't as connected to the work that we're doing here. So I read some of your articles, and then I just paid, signed right up.
1: Now that was a few years ago. I'm curious because um, was Animus more of a traditional production company in those days than more
0: sort of agency esque as you are today? So I think our our thinking was just more limited is what I'd say. We were we were thinking a little too small. We were we were thinking a little bit like an agency even then, but our thinking was a lot smaller. That that's the easiest way I can say it. But we were very much video just video. We didn't have a real process. And Got we it. were kind of I describe it as more like hungry, hungry hippo, like a little bit more willing to just do what clients were asking versus mm-hmm. uh, realizing that like we should probably be communicating about our ideas better and have a process for that. Okay, that's an interesting
1: point because what I'm hearing you say there is we were reacting more instead of creating and, and leading and being the experts that we are today. Is that a fair recharacterization?
0: Yeah, for sure, even just from the way that we start. Projects now and start engagements with clients and the way that we think about the clients that we want to bring on, all that it, it's it's definitely changed. It's gotten more mature, I would say, with time. So in that in that evolution,
1: uh, I think there's something really really cool because it, obviously when you're reacting to clients that have projects and they're saying do our project, there's often this well, we just want our thing and we want it for the cheapest price. And you as the studio or as the production company, you're react reacting to that request. And I think many creative entrepreneurs like yourself, you get frustrated because over time you say, gosh, if we could, if the clients would just trust us and listen to us, we could create amazing results for them, but you never, you know, you don't get far enough up the food chain or you're not early enough in the process is was that part of what you were bumping up against that, that inspired this thought of, hey, we want to we shift how we
0: do business? Yeah, looking back at it, I would say it's easy when you're in a time and place to kind of limit yourself to thinking this is how it is. And if we do a really good job with this account and service them like this, they'll give us permission to be able to do these cool things that we like to do. But the reality is is that's not how clients work or how the world works. Um, Every time that we've thought that we'd enter a position in one position, enter a client in one position, and then move somewhere else, that is very hard. Versus if you can just enter in the position that you want to be, you're already there. So what we were seeing was all these false promises in our heads. These ideas of, well, if we just do it this time, then certainly next time they'll let us do something cooler or they'll let us do this. And that does happen. It just happens a lot slower. So I think in order to get to the place you want to be faster, one is you need to know where you want to go and you need to know what sort of gets your creative juices flowing and what success looks like to you. And then two, you need to make a bigger change to get there than you might think. It's not necessarily a series of little incremental changes, Sometimes you do need a big, like, no, no, we need a big change right now. Yeah, I mean, this this is such a cool, I think,
1: journey that so many uh, firms are on from moving from being the order taker, right, to being the expert uh, instead. And I, I was actually going back to your website and looking at some of the language and even the way that you speak, uh, which I think is very cool, because I, I even looked at this concept of a full stack video marketing agency. And I'm really curious, is that, is that how you lead right now when you're, when you're reaching out to talk to new clients? Um, is that, is that the,
0: the positioning in a nutshell? So when we bring on new accounts, when we're marketing right now, we're still not fully where we want to be. We're actually in the middle of a rebrand. But we definitely want mm-hmm. to, number one, stand for video because it's what we believe in. It's what we excel at. But we believe video isn't like the last rung on a totem pole that you figure out after the fact. It's not something that isn't a silo and a bubble by itself. Video can be the starting point for great campaigns. The process of thinking about video and what videos we're going to make for an agency and that whole process can lead to a lot of really interesting ideas that impact the visual identity, the copy, the taglines. And anyone that has ever scripted and made a video kind of from scratch knows all these like secondary benefits that clients can experience so we like the idea of saying well what if we take that process and lead with that with clients and turn it into something a little bit bigger where we take a deep dive that we normally would take in our process and in pre-production to understand their needs all that fun stuff their strategy where they're trying to go then put our creative muscle to work on what video looks like for them and take all of that creative and then look at it and say, what does the full campaign actually look like? And we just did this with um, a big B2B uh, company that specializes in merger and acquisition software. And they were working with a traditional agency for years. That was just kind of giving them the same status quo stuff, video assets, okay. web, web, print, all that fun stuff, but the high-level thinking that comes with an agency and why we're going to do this stuff. And it's something that we looked at, and it's like, it's not even good, number one. And there are good agencies out there. There are good full-service agencies that make awesome stuff. So don't want to discount the idea of what agencies do. But we bid on an RFP, which we try to avoid and tried to make that just our own thing that we knew we were going to win. So... We put a deck together. We had an internal brainstorming meeting, kind of talk to them about what our normal process is in pre-production and extend ourselves, brought in a couple partners to do things that we don't specialize in on the website and whatnot. And our ideas just like killed anything that they've seen before. It made, they instantly said like our initial deck and ideas were the best that they'd ever seen. And they were thrilled, but they also trusted us to do the thing that we said we were going to do, which was way out of the box for them. So the campaign was about redaction and M&A, version acquisition sounds very dry, very boring. And our campaign was all about how they can't help you redact life's embarrassing moments, um, (laughs) but they can redact your documents really fast. Uh, And it was targeting like 20 something year olds in that uh, entry level analyst role at big banks and, these uh, um, big banking companies, investment companies. Yeah, I remember seeing that creative and I thought it was super
1: clever. But I think what's what's really key to what you and I are talking about here, or, or germane, is that, that someone might see that project or that creative out there and say, oh, cool, this brand or some agency had this idea and then they went and hired a production company to execute that thing. And that's actually not what happened, right? Correct. That's not the, the process right went through. It's, yeah, it's and this it's, cool idea of how, you know, how could a brand approach that process and end up with that creative result? And this is of course the, this process that you you've been building and innovating for the past couple, couple of years.
0: Right. And it's, it is nice when it happens more than once. Like the, at the same time, we brought on three accounts in sort of a very similar fashion, and what we had to do is really change the way that we had those initial conversations and changed how we talked about ourselves. And it started with changing the way that we believed in ourselves, right? So obviously, we worked with you as a consultant and uh, the, my business partner and I and walked through who we wanted to become, what got us excited, um, what we were already good at, and the things that we weren't as good at. And kind of rethought who we were, who we wanted to be, how we wanted to reflect that. But then you really have to live it, and you have to realize that any new engagement, they don't know all that baggage that is in the back of your head as to who you are. They don't. They don't think about that stuff. You're the only one thinking about it. So it's like when you're a six-year-old kid, and you have to do, like, choir or whatever, or um, chorus in, what is that, like, first grade, and the teacher's like, don't scratch, or if you mess up, just keep going with it. You kind of have to have that mentality because – your pitch to them—they've never heard your pitch before. They don't have all that baggage. You can be whoever you want to that new person you're talking to. And it, well, I love that because I know when we were working together,
1: we we talked about the idea of okay, remember when we start turning from away from past accounts, um, we'll, we'll of course we'll keep servicing them, but when we go out to new accounts, we get to tell whatever story we want to tell. So why wouldn't we seize that opportunity? to align we're going to talk about our genius and what we're passionate about and go create that future and and that client doesn't know any different exactly there's no there's no expectation there's no anything if you walk in and say we're a full stack video marketing agency they're all they're going to say is what's that they're not going to say no you're not because you've always been this other thing because i've been following you for years i mean that no you get to get to tell a new story so I think that's that's and now that that's aligned with the the genius that you and Artie um, identified, I can definitely see that you guys are in this groove.
0: And, and it's it's our team. I would just too, assume like, you're happier. <laughs> right. Well, sure. we started when we started really looking at like what is our team? What gets us excited? What do we do? What are we good at? We've we've got a team that isn't is very creative, creative loves working on creative projects, has really smart and clever ideas. And a lot of times we were working on very simple campaigns that were easy to pull off, um, but weren't reflective of who we were as a group of people. And our team has really embraced it as well. So where we've gone with it is, if you look back years when we first started, it was um, we were making videos. That's really it. Right. Whoever could make a video, we'd kind of shuffle around, figure it out, um, make things happen. And we didn't come from... A big agency so we didn't have that degree of thinking we kind of have come from the bottom up the world of dslrs um not even having enough not not being organized when we showed up on sets like figuring it out as we went along so um we approached it completely different than some of the bigger agencies that are pivoting now or people that had agency experience and then started something new we were at a full service a smaller full service agency and peeled the video component out of that But where we've taken it now and what we lean on is a message of Find Your Fascinating. This is something that we worked on with you when Mm -hmm. you were consulting with us. (laughs) And this idea of every brand, and the message that we really want to stand for is anyone that works in marketing, no matter what company they're at, especially the people we want to work with, which is more entrepreneurial spirited, people that really are mission driven and want to accomplish things. They believe that they can do something good. They believe that they can make an impact for the organization that they're at. And they're not afraid of trying different things, being a little bit more bold. That's who we want to be working with because we know that those types of people, we're better at servicing them. We have a lot more fun with them and we'll work with them for years and we'll get to make some work that we mutually love. So find your fascinating is a message that we really stick with now. And it's not leading with strategy as our starting point, So we do talk about that and we rope in the strategy. The messaging is leading with what creative ideas can we find within the challenges that you're trying to tackle and how can we help you bring those ideas to light so that you don't make status quo content, so that you do something that's different than what you've done in the past, that you guys are extremely proud of as an organization and not just get stuck in a rut. Well, one thing, so first of all, I loved to
1: find your fascinating, you know, when, when you guys, uh, whether you want to say stumbled upon it or uh, created that, that it was a very cool, not only notion of how, how do we find a company or our brand's DNA and, and, and express it, but the word find is cool because it's this notion of, Hey, we are going to go find it together. So we're going to. Join forces with you, partner with you, come alongside you, and let's go find it together. Um, And I think that's that. I'm guessing that that resonates when you reach out to brands because it's it's an invitation. It's not just oh we're we're over here in the ivory tower and we're going to hand you correct right. Here's your here's your message from on high of who you are and what you're going to go say to the world. It's like our goal is to inspire thinking.
0: That's it. Like Mm -hmm. our goal is we want to be the ones that come up with the best idea in the room. But the best types of meetings are where you walk out of them and no one remembers exactly who came up with the great idea and that it was this more playful, organic process that mutually came up with something awesome. And I think if you look at the way that everyone talks about how agencies are crumbling, the the models changing, there's no doubt that more organizations, more clients have brought capabilities in-house. So if you as an agency or whatever your specialty is, walk in and say, we're the experts on this our opinion is the opinion that matters. That's going to work with some companies and some brands, but there are plenty of brands and the brands that we're going after are people that they have brought a lot of capabilities in house and it's your job to collaborate with them and inspire them to do great things. And if you can be that partner that not only can execute on ideas, but that motivates a team and gets a team really excited, that's a much more powerful position for your brand then some of that just executes on the ideas or executes on your own ideas. If you can bring people up with you and the, the huge benefit that's often missed from doing that is those people aren't going to be at their, the the place they work forever. They're going to go somewhere new and they'll probably take you with them. Yeah, of course.
1: But I also love how it's such a, it's such a smart response to this shift that's happening of the the external agencies transitioning to now we're going to build an internal agency and most vendors that are studios or production companies they freak out oh no they're going in house we're we're losing all the business but i think as you've explained there really is you know on the other side of that coin it's actually an opportunity because those internal agencies they're always looking for fresh ideas fresh approaches they need expertise they need leaders they don't have all the answers And frankly, they often are in a situation where internally they are not viewed as the amazing resource that they are. And so they're looking for who can help us be awesome and be amazing so that we get the recognition and credibility that we deserve. And that's where they love collaborating with people on the outside.
0: That point of you do need to be a specialist to them. You need to have a position in their mind, but that you need to also treat them with the the belief that they too can come up with great ideas. That is not just you. If you can make them look good and that's always your mission and to be their favorite vendor, that goes a long way. And the second thing is just pairing it with, okay, that change has happened, but also um, the world of video has changed dramatically. Um, We started out eight years ago with DSLR cameras, and that was a big change, right? Like, it just made it a lot cheaper to be able to make great content, great-looking content. Um, And that's only one component of it, obviously, like the production and the technical logistics of things and all that fun stuff. Um, But that's gonna keep happening. And as companies in-source roles, they're gonna look to plenty of tools from a design standpoint, from a video standpoint that automate things that make things easier. Um, and I think you kind of have to lean into that to some degree. And it's easy to get afraid of certain changes that are happening, but is a stronger position to just accept some of the change that's going to happen and lean into it and say, how do we, how do we help clients lean into these changes and continue carving out where we're actually going to have the most value to them and at a stronger position. (laughs) I know a lot of people are afraid of raw footage and giving that away or coming up with terms around that. But for some projects, it just makes sense to say, we're doing all of this and we're going to bill you for the raw footage. But it just makes sense for you to have it so that you can make some things internally a lot faster than we could. And that's okay because our money doesn't need to be made there. Our money is made here. And our value is here. <laughs> and it's a tricky you... hurdle, but, but the industry is definitely changing. and you just have to accept some changes that are happening with certain types of accounts. Today. Well, I
1: heard of this phrase, ephemeralization. Have you heard of this crazy term coined by Buckminster Fuller?
0: No, but it sounds cool.
1: <laughs> well, I was uh, when I was uh, in Milan. This uh, one, somebody got from Buck and was speaking about this, and this, the quote goes like this: that Buckminster Fuller said, "Ephemeralization is the ability to do more and more with less and less until eventually you can do everything with nothing." And I thought, "Oh yeah, that's where we're heading." <laughs> and if you if you fight that, you will you will be commoditized or you will be edged out of the marketplace. But if you can embrace that and say, well, where do we really create value? Um, Because ultimately you as an agency or your clients, we're all going to create, do everything with nothing. (laughs) So just get,
0: get used to that idea. Um, But I what what are the fights that are worth fighting when it comes to it? Like, are you going to battle on holding footage? If it's a bunch of small things that, they want to be able to do internally. Some accounts, if they have the team, not everyone does. And sometimes you give away things and they end up just asking you to do it anyway. Um, or you're going to battle for the next big thing, the next big rock. So there are definitely some like tricky conversations and waters to navigate, but I think it all points back to saying, where are you adding the most value? What does your brand really stand for? And, how are you going to help clients if you're right. in the client services industry? So if you're, if
1: you're open to it, I would love to, to unpack something that, that you and I and Artie worked on. And uh, obviously there might be some, some secret sauce here that, that we won't, we won't get into, but you know, you and I have often talked about this thing. That's what I call the consultative sale. Cause you've talked about this process where As you're starting to engage with the client, you're developing creative together. You're getting the best ideas from them as well as from you. And I'm thinking that when people hear that, they're like, oh, okay, great. So you you approach a brand or they approach you and then there's some giant proposal you put in front of them and they agree to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and then off you go. And that's not actually how the process goes. And I think the way that you guys have been doing it with the find you're fascinating, the workshopping, what, what have you that I, it's like a more of a phased engagement or a, yeah. or a staggered engagement is such a brilliant thing. So I don't want you to give away um, trade secrets, but if you could just talk in the abstract of how, how are you engaging with clients to make it easier for them to make tough, big decisions that play out over time without getting stuck in this, world of well we really can't work do any work for free but in order to put some big proposal in in front of somebody right and them to agree and get started we've got to do a bunch of free work and right how how are you solving cracking that nut
0: so where we have come to is sort of an evolutionary approach and it's going to continue changing that's just the reality of it but how it started happening was you know, you get these requests to bid on something or you get a creative brief from a client and you look at it and it only has some information in there, right? And you start kind of brainstorming ideas and you say, well, the budget could be X or it could be Y or it could be Z and you start coming up with budgets. But a lot of times you're working in, (laughs) yeah, they're guesses. You're working in a world that is completely imperfect because you haven't put enough effort into pre-production in order to know what does production actually look like? How much should we be charging for this thing? And how much value does it add to the, the client? Um, so from the client standpoint, you're taking complete guess at what the value is and what makes sense before exploring what is the strategy, what is the creative that's going to nail that strategy. You're just putting a number out there. You're yeah. saying based on a brief, this is what we should do um, without really challenging that brief even. So it's an imperfect process. So how do you start to make that better? Well, the first step is, rather than both of you saying, let's commit to doing this big thing, especially a new client, let's commit to the $100,000 full tilt thing, which just has benefits to us. We know that we have a signed contract for the whole big thing. Great. Um, They've selected a vendor. They know what the price is reasonably going to be. Cool. But it's not perfect. So what if we start breaking that out into phases and say, instead of committing to the $100,000 client, Let's commit to ten thousand or a percentage of it for just right. pre-production. And what is pre-production going to be? We're going to sit down and review the brief, understand the strategic part of this, and if it's just video, how this fits into the whole campaign. And we'll talk to all the agencies that are involved. We'll pull everyone together, and we'll take. If you're a new client, we'll take a step back to further understand your brand, your brand guidelines pretty much everything that comes with it, not just this isolated one-off project. And we'll start mapping out what are like 10 options. Let's have a big bash around what does the creative look like? Let's have a really fun campaign kickoff meeting that like is very different than any meeting you've ever had before. Where we ask completely absurd questions, come up with ideas that you definitely wouldn't have come up without us in the room. And really think through what those look like. And then narrow down to the top ideas that actually align to the challenge at hand and the goal that you're trying to accomplish. (laughs) And let's treat that as a workshop. And again, that's like isolating out stage one of where we're trying to get to. And assuming we come up with ideas that you love and are now more informed of your brand, your process, all that, all that stuff. Our ideas should be better, and you should want to do production with us. You should want to do the next phase. And we'll probably have caught up on that learning curve, whereas previously it would take us months or even a year to come up with great ideas. We just ratchet that system up so it happens faster. So now, normally, it's a great way of saying, if we don't nail that, if people don't like the ideas or they think we're just not a good team they want to work with, they can walk. They don't have to do production with us. It's a lot safer from that regard. And we don't end up working with accounts that might not be a good fit for us because we put our true selves in front of them. But if they do want to go forward, now they've really met us. They've seen who we are as a brand. They've experienced us and they want to move forward. They're going to be clients for a long time. Yeah, they're going to be someone fascinating,
1: fascinating, right?
0: <laughs> correct. And we help them find their fascinating. And the next step is unleashing it into the wild, making it happen. Then what we've started what the, doing is sort of more of those sort of creative sessions throughout the course of time, throughout the year with the client. But also surprising them and sort of delighting them by doing some of those creative meetings internally to keep our team really excited and putting new ideas in front of them when they're not even asking for it. So that becomes a little bit of a loss lead, but that's what we love to do is kind of think up ideas that, hey, we know the client, they might not be expecting to see something and surprising with something that it only takes two hours for us to do something like that, but it does go a long way. Well, there's so much cool things happening there.
1: I mean, one obviously is there's a, uh, let's see, there's almost this trying on and testing each other out. Do we like each other? Are we a fit for each other? That's very cool. There's also a making it somewhat painless, like how do we get started without committing to a big giant campaign that's very expensive and very risky. But there's also this idea that you're creating an output in the early in that process called here's a roadmap. Here's where we see things going. This is what the next year could look like. Again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that sense of here's what a path of either executions or campaigns or what have you, that's, that align to where you want to go as a brand, uh, Mr. Yeah. Client. And they have the sense of, okay, well, I'm not necessarily biting off on some giant retainer, like you're my agency of record. But at the same time, it's not nothing either. It's like, here's a plan and a map of where we're going to go. And it makes sense that we've talked about this and agreed on it, that it's it's exciting. It's We've come up with a brand new, fresh approach. You have a trade show in the second quarter right you have a new product launch in the third quarter you have your shareholder meeting in the fourth quarter so of course you need to create these these content pieces to satisfy those those needs so now we're going to take all these fresh ideas and apply them to those executions i would just think as a client i'm like okay thank you you're helping me solve this problem without uh creating this giant tension called well there's a Big proposal. I have no idea what this is gonna look like, but I just have to agree
0: to this thing. Yeah. And hopefully it's all gonna work out. And we've started the idea is to think in the client's shoes. It's beneficial for us, but to your points, like it's far better for the client to have the engagement sort of stripped down into phases because it just eliminates so much risk to them, as you as you said, like thinking in the client's shoes, do you want to commit to a big thing that's sort of in the tech world, it's called the waterfall approach, where you're committing to something that's huge, doing it through. And by the time someone has feedback, it's too late. You've already gone steps that you can't backtrack on very easily, or it involves rework, as opposed to just like chunking things out into smaller bites. And we kind of do that across, the. we work with a lot of tech firms. So we do that in some of our phases as well, where instead of making our first 60-second cut of something, we might make a 10-second cut that has some graphic elements, some footage, versions of color grading, like separating things out into little chunks sometimes to help us progress to a better finished product or a better first full preview that wows them as opposed to like a more rough cut full preview. So we kind of have embraced this idea of, stages in not only our sales process, but also like our production process. Well, yeah, it's interesting because to come back to this idea of the, what I call the
1: consultative sale, obviously sales is somewhat of a dirty word, so just go with it. (laughs) But that that idea of you're coming alongside your clients and you're saying, let me help you solve this problem in a way that aligns with your process, how you you make decisions, how you buy, um, how things play out over time. And I think there's an, there's an empathy and an understanding there where you're almost a consultant. You're almost selling them something in a way where, let me advise you, let me guide you, let me be the expert who comes alongside you. And that's got to build a lot more trust,
0: I would think, in that process. It, it builds trust. But again, if you can take sometimes stuff that takes us a year that used to take us a year to figure out with somebody and make that happen in two months. That's extraordinarily powerful. Um, And the trust comes not only from learning about their strategy, where they're going, all that fun stuff, but getting to know you at a personal level, getting to know them at a personal level in order to be able to decide, do we like each other? Do we want to work with each other? So as a brand, it, feels, it can feel weird to enter a relationship saying, we're not going to go out there and fake it. Like you do have to represent yourself the way that you want to be as a brand, but don't fake it, whatever you decide you're going to be. Don't walk in and tiptoe and eggshell around, tiptoe tip, tip and walk on eggshells because you're only setting up fal- a false reality. Walk in with how you want to be as that creative consultant and let the client either accept you or say, no, we're not going to work with you, essentially. It's just a much stronger platform for growing and attracting the type of work that you want. So tell me more. You say that
1: this, by kind of engaging this way, that it's faster. And I'm curious to understand that. Why, why is it faster? Because there's more trust or because you've... you've uh... The, the way you're engaging in, in more of a phased approach, um, there's, there's less risk. Like how how does, how does it end up getting things for, from the client standpoint? They don't they get their, their solutions, the content, the video, whatever it is that you're creating, wh- why does it end up being faster?
0: So with a lot of our accounts through the years, what I'd say is like our best work tended to happen long after we started working with them. It wasn't, the first project wasn't always our best work with a client. No, because it takes time to get to know a client. It takes time to get to know a brand. It takes time to get to earn the trust to be able to do more creative ideas. But if up front you can have a meeting that says, oh, no, this is what we're all about. This is who we are. We're all about helping you come up with more fascinating ideas, helping your team find interesting ideas, and we want to understand the foundation of your brand, the things that you're trying to accomplish right now. We want to understand what it's like to work with your team right now, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then we want to be able to take that and ratchet it up and move forward faster and inform you that like, we're going to send you more ideas right off the bat. We're not going to wait. We're not going to hide them. We're going to put them in front of you. We're going to talk to why we think these make sense based on your strategy. And we're just going to be up that learning curve of your brand, your team, where you're trying to go that that's essentially why it just speeds up that whole getting to know each other process and makes your ideas right. more well informed for the client and more valuable for them
1: well yeah now understanding because yes there's a trust there but i think the trust comes from this mutual information exchange that you're being brought in and you're extracting that institutional knowledge so that when you come back and say hey here are solutions here are our ideas they're vetted. They're thoughtful. They're 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 f- considered. The client gains. It's like, oh, this is highly actionable because these are not guesses. These are highly informed ideas that are on message, on brand, on strategy, what have you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool because I it's it's just interesting how it's like a that that speed question is almost a strategic byproduct. Like I don't I wouldn't guess that when you started. Creating this way of working with clients, you said, "Oh, we just need to do things faster." But in effect, it's something that is a byproduct of engaging this way. That sounds kind of cool because, as a business, right, you you want to be able to sell projects and get new clients and so forth, and and engage the quick, quicker the better. You don't want to be talking to somebody for a year or two before and they pull the trigger and
0: finally do a project together. So anything that speeds things along is generally a good good thing. And you don't want to be caught in this awkward song and dance between like, when are they going to do their next project, right? Like you don't want to be based on a gig mentality of um, needing to awkwardly find ways to reach out all the time. You want to be in a position that the expectation is that you are a creative consultant that has ideas and value to offer. And when you send ideas or share thoughts, reach out. That your opinion and thoughts are wanted as opposed to uh, you're asking for a new, new gig. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot tell you how
1: much what you said just resonated with something that I hear owners saying over and over and over asking me is, well, how should we, you know, how should my studio follow up? and ask about the next project, right? We finish the project, it's done, it's delivered. And then, you know, do we, do we wait a few weeks or a month and then follow up and say, hey, do you guys have another project we can bid on? And I hate that thinking right? because you're so reactive. There's so little thought and consider, consideration from the client standpoint of what are their real, real needs. It's like you should have already, but you should already have the answer to that question. If you're truly a consultant, you're truly an expert, you should already know (laughs) what they need to be doing next
0: and be in in having that conversation in real time all the time. And there's two ways that you want it to happen. And I think you need to be doing both. This is what we've sort of realized is way one is you want to be a magnet. You want to hold that position in their heads that you are the person to reach out to one of the top three people that they're going to reach out to when the new opportunity goal strikes every time they are going to call you. They're going to email you. They're going to say, this is a thing that we need to accomplish right now, or this is a thing that we need to accomplish in three months. So you need to be that magnet. And then number two, I think what we found that is just helpful is we need to trust that we have information that is valuable to be able to put some ideas together to get them thinking. Because they're not always going to ask you to come in and do a paid workshop or ideation session. it's unfortunately just not going to happen. They're busy. It's hard to sometimes schedule some of those meetings. If you can make it happen, great. But I think there's value in doing it out of the blue with ideas that your team has. And the goal is to send it to them and say, hey, we just had a little brainstorming session. Here are four ideas that we had that we think will help you accomplish some of the things that we heard last time we met. Hope your team likes these. Let's see what you guys can come up with based on this. Or... If you didn't want to send ideas, here are a couple of creative prompts to get your team thinking. Um, based on our last conversation, we think these little prompts might inspire your team to come up with some new ideas. So, right. it's, and both are let's designed to be these. a magnet as opposed to someone that sounds like they're asking for something.
1: Well, I'm going I'm to borrow the phrase I love that uh, I've heard Blair ends say many times, and that is, "conversations, not presentations." In other words, yeah, not this idea of well, we've you know when you're ready, call us and we'll come up with a bunch of stuff and do this big reveal and hopefully you'll pull the trigger on this big fat proposal. But instead, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, we're having a conversation here about your needs. We came up with some prompts or some ideas. What do you think? And then the next time we meet and continue this conversation, let's let's act on these things. Let's make some decisions. And generally that's going to translate into, yeah, we want to move forward with ID number three, but here's, here's our, here's our peanut butter, you know, here's, let's see what your
0: chocolate and how these come together and, and, and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that we've seen from your process is something that's simple, thoughtful and well designed in terms of the journey that you're taking a client and a new, someone that's new and then someone that's been with you for a while. And we're thinking of that user journey, that experience of, okay, this is how it always starts, this is how it always ends. We're not, we're not there yet, but we know we need to get a little bit more disciplined at the stages of our funnel and those key milestones along the way, and how we phrase things and how much that matters because we're a little too casual. Um, some of that's intentional. And some of it's just based on being a small agency and being very busy. <laughs> but I think the next phase of where we're trying to take this is to be much more disciplined of hitting each step each time mm. um, through engagement process, through onboarding. And then once they become a client and how they become sort of a, a top 10 client and what that experience looks like.
1: Yeah, or, yeah, as an, or an account, as you call them, which I love that. That phrase, because even thinking in that way is very different than a client who has a project, but rather thinking of an, an account who has a problem that is, needs to be solved on an ongoing and continual
0: basis as you right. move into the future. And the, the point of that that you just brought up is something we present at every first call now, where I just got off a call where someone said, How? obviously, like, end of the call. And how much do you guys charge for videos? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. Like uh, we charge $5 per foot of video. Um, <laughs> right. well, I don't know well, what that's what is, is, but <laughs> yeah, that's not how, that's not how it works. And we always go towards, well, we actually work with accounts. Most accounts look like this or like this. We never go to video, video costs this. And that was a shift. But it lets people know, like, we aren't looking for one-off gigs, although we do tackle one-off gigs because sometimes you can work on really fun, interesting things. We are looking for a small, loyal group of accounts that we like to work with. So when you look into
1: the future, because I hear you're saying that this this is all evolving Uh, in terms of Animus and even how it's uh, positioned and message and all these other good things. But what, what gets you excited? Like when you think about what you've learned and how much you've evolved over the past couple of years, what what gets you excited when you look into next year and beyond in terms of where you guys are heading?
0: So (laughs) I think it's the thing that gets me most excited right now is ownership of where we're going. And We've always had that, but for a certain period of time, it didn't feel like that. It felt more like we built a machine and we have to operate this machine the way that the machine is operating. And any owner, no matter where you stand, have the ability to own where you're going. And what that means for us right now is much more creative freedom, much more creative projects, and also much more value that we're adding to the accounts that we serve. So... We're fighting for closer alignment to the team that we've built, the ideas that we have, and continuing to find the accounts that respect those ideas, that value those ideas, and that allow us to have a lot of fun loving what we do every day. Like That's that's really it, is continuing to not think of this as work and building a place (laughs) where Where we just love being here and making the work that we do the creative that we produce i mentioned chris and how he's our director of motion design how he brought us to you originally with creative studio jumpstart um he uh pays attention to the school of motion and takes some of those courses and he read the book about the entrepreneurial creative and one of the messages that was in there was. Uh, pain versus rainbows. And that's sort of something that we've embraced where sometimes you work on very painful projects that pay the bills. We've all done it. And sometimes you work on uh, very fun, creatively rewarding projects that get you inspired and that sort of really represent where you're trying to go. And it's great when you can have a rainbow project that also pays the bills, but sometimes you do need to just do work that you believe is great, not for a brand, for yourself. So I think part of what's been fun in the last year and we're we're going again in 2020 is encouraging our team to use our power, our superpower in this world of video to just make things that we want to make and having our team out there when we have some free time not just filling it up with busy work, but filling it up with the creatively rewarding things that allow us to find our fascinating and share fascinating stories around us and really walking the walk. Well, there's something very optimistic there,
1: right? Because this is something I, I often re- remind owners, the, the people like you that I'm fortunate enough to work with, and that is, okay, you're a creative person and these your team are, are creative people. And that means we get to create. Uh, And and this is, you know, what we say at RevThink, of course, is the best way to deal with the future is to create it. (laughs) And I know it sounds awfully optimistic, but we can actually sit down and say, what do we want? And let's go create it. And in a roundabout way, that's ultimately what you were just saying is, hey, what inspires us? Let's go create that. Let's find people who align with us on that and turn them into clients and accounts. And I just think that's so exciting. I I don't know what, I don't know what better version of the future that I want to go into than to be working with people who wake up every day and say, this looks exciting. This is going to be valuable. This is what I want to do. Let's go make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think like a lot of times our idea of success can get misplaced and Like through the years, we've continued to do better every year. Um, And it's not, and you hear it all the time, it's not the things that you think will make you happier, necessarily make you happier. It's not the money. It's not the new cameras. It's not the new toys. It tends to be, for me at least, um, the work that happens through the work that we're creating. So one of the most inspirational things we did was make a documentary about a friend of ours that has spinal muscular atrophy and seeing that premiere was definitely like one of my top three things that we've done here. It was a project that cost us a lot of money to work on, (laughs) Um, but it kind of set the tone for, you know, we're capable of doing meaningful work here. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's so cool
1: just to be in a position where you have the luxury to create pieces and work like that, that's meaningful. And I'm guessing you've already put that out there in the universe and there's people that are responding to it and reacting to it and saying, hey, we want to hang out with you and let's, let's work together because
0: you guys are obviously inspired and creating stuff that matters. Yeah, what's funny is like most of what we talk about when we meet people now, as much as we can talk about the client work and we can show really good work, we can show work that's very efficient and, again, hits on that pain side sometimes, but very efficient, um, well-produced videos. But a lot of times the work that we're showing, even to very corporate-type accounts, is some of our passion projects. Like, that stuff is very meaningful and it speaks to who we are as a brand. And it gives the opportunity for people that think we're completely nuts for working on this stuff to not work with us. <laughs> um, so, like we... Made something called memory video. It's a it so we have an internal club called Ask Club, which is Animus Super Shorts. It's intentionally kind of making fun of ourselves. <laughs> right. Um, in the first project, Roy, one of our our lead editor, has had this idea since he was in high school to make a short doc about a video store and sort of like a memory and nostalgic experience of what the video store meant. And over the course of a year he made it come to hot dogs and other notable festivals, um, turn the guy Miguel into a star. And it's front and center on her website, I think. Um, (laughs) But it's just, it's an interesting story and it's the type of stories that we want to stand behind making. Well, I think, well, let's see, we're, we're, I guess, just five minutes, sort of an hour here.
1: And uh, I think it's probably a good time on that sort of positive, optimistic note, I'm just really thankful that you are willing to share some of these thoughts on the journey that you know your firm has been through over the past few years. And uh, obviously, it's been a joy for me to to work with, work with you on some of those efforts. But I'm going to be cheering you guys on big time because I feel like next year is going to be even more exciting as you start to you know to continue to evolve, evolve that offering and where you guys are going. Um, as the as a creative firm,
0: yeah, no, and obviously, sort of going back to the one of the first things that we we talked about was this idea of big changes don't just happen; they it happens through a combination of continuous improvement, continuously trying to change, but jumping up to bigger plateaus, and that's where working with you guys in the past sort of forces those pivotal moments where you jump to a new plateau, mm-hmm. and often it's like. Your mindset can change. Your mindset has to change first in order for everything else to to follow. Um, so, we're going to continue to have uh, those moments. That's never going to stop, and we'll definitely be working with guys as we chart our next our next step. I can't wait to see it
1: unfold, and it's going to be exciting wherever it goes. So, nice work and congrats on all the all the progress and all the success
0: been listening to the Rev Thinking podcast. For more information on upcoming accelerators, events, or to learn how RevThink advises creative entrepreneurs like you, connect with us at RevThink.com.